Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. From the top of the Empire State Building, this is Z100 FM. New York. Another hot rockin' weekend. So if we haven't lost all of our public radio listeners already by just playing that, to which they're no doubt allergic, then the rest of you will join us for a a very interesting show today. I'm Mark Oppenheimer sitting in for Colin McEnroe on The Colin McEnroe Show. And when I was talking with with Colin and the other producers a few weeks ago about what what would we do on March 31st when I sat in, I said, you know what show I've always wanted to do? I've always wanted to talk about the radio format that I grew up on because the the dirty secret for me is that I – uh, my parents did not listen to public radio until, I don't know, sometime in the last 10 years, as most people didn't. It was, you know, back in the days, public radio in the 80s was was morning pro musica, was Robert J. Lertzema talking really slowly in the morning, and then uh, Garrison Keillor on weekends and the Car Talk guys who who live on after after death. And what we listened to in the mornings was was Top 40 and, and you know, classic rock. And my dad listened to that and, and I grew up listening to that. It's what we listened to in Carpool. And it seemed to me there was a format. There was a way they used to do it that had a moment. And I had this theory that we should get some people on to talk about what were they doing with FM radio. And this, of course, is when Top 40 and Rock were fully fully moved on to FM. What was going on with FM radio in the 80s and 90s? That every show in every city I visited, whether I was with my cousins in Philly or my other cousins in Chicago, every show was called The Morning Zoo. And I realized somebody planned this. There's like a master radio planner somewhere who decides what radio formats sound like. And at some point, they all added a woman. It used to always be two guys. And at some point, they all got a woman. And the traffic guy was always like the funny little guy. And I, I said, let's have some people on and talk about this. So we got a, a, a real all-star team here today. Uh, Bruce Barber, the former co-host for 18 years on the Smith & Barber Morning Show on WPLR in New Haven, is currently an independent producer for WNPR right here. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Mark. And we have Dan Hayden, who was program director and an on-air personality for about a decade at WHCN in Hartford. He's currently the president of Pathfinder Consulting and Research and a partner at Misty Radio, an online jazz station. Hi, Mark. Hi, Dan. Good to have you. Uh, Ed Sabatino has held just about every position in radio since he was 16. Did you drop out of high school or were you you going? (laughs) No, I I continued to do high school, just skipped all the classes that came after about 1 o'clock. Oh, okay. All right. And you you graduated? I did graduate. I did graduate. Okay. So rigorous high school for Ed Sabatino in East Haven. Uh, He co-hosted Mornings with Glenn Beck for a time where they experimented with the Morning Zoo format. And Kim Zachary, her first job was as a sidekick to Jerry Christopher on Big D 103 in Hartford, which has recently been rebranded The Frog or The, the Whale. The Whale, right, yeah. right. And is simulcasting <laughs> with WPLR. And the, I mean, What's its phylum? We're going we're gonna to figure out. There is a station in upstate. How do we categorize that? Is that in the lizard family? It's in the lizard. Is it... It's a crustacean. It's they, a... There's a there's a station in upstate New York where I worked one summer called Big Frog, and I think it was like WFRG. It's sort of how many animals. Somewhere in West Virginia, there's Tiny Squirrel Radio. Um, <laughs> and she co-hosted the Dan and Kim Morning Show for 17 years on Mix 93.1 in Springfield, my hometown. And more recently, we've heard her back at Big D with Mike Stevens. Kim, thank you for being here. Well, thank you. You know, I got to tell you, a lot of people would say to me, 
Oh, I don't listen to that station. I only listen to public radio. <laughs> yeah, I listen to all these stations. I got to say, I listen, I, I'm a big fan of music on, on the radio. Uh, and um, it's it's great to have you guys here to talk about this. I want to, uh, we'll be taking your calls as well. You can call us at 860-275-7266. That's 860-275-7266. You can offer memories of radio or what you find exciting about it today, uh, particularly questions about the format. Have you noticed that, that things have changed or that... Uh, there are, there are new innovations. Sometimes when I tune in, all they do is recap last night's reality TV. So if you don't watch reality TV, that's you're sort of disabled in today's radio market. But I wanted to, to start out by talking with, with Dan Hayden. Um, and I was, what I was hoping you would do is explain for us, am I right that there was a format, that there was a formula? And, and where did it come from? And, and, and how did it spread? Well, you're right, Mark. There was a formula. It actually came from um, uh, WRBQ in Tampa. Scott Shannon is the uh, creator of the concept. Um, uh, the morning zoo, I guess, would be a party of the morning, I guess. Uh, you know, a big, a big lineup of people, large cast of characters. The overall vibe was fun, very fast-paced, very high energy. And, um, yeah, it, it began at WRBQ in 1981 in Tampa. 1981. 1981. Okay. Uh, what kind of music were they playing? Uh, they were playing hip music. So it was a hip music station, CHR Top 40. Uh, whatever you want to call it. And um, uh, Scott partnered with a guy named Cleveland Wheeler. And uh, they had tremendous success in Tampa. And um, Malwright Broadcasting bought a station in upstate New Jersey, WVNJ. And uh, based on the success in Tampa, they wanted to bring the Morning Zoo to New York. So uh, Mel Wright was able to upgrade the um, uh, the license, move the transmitter and tower to the top of the uh, uh, Empire State Building. And I think it was August 83 mm -hmm. that um, they rolled out the, uh, the uh, Z Morning Zoo. They changed the call letters to WHTZ. And uh, the first song they played was Maniac. Michael, Michael Sambello. Michael Sambello. That may have been about exactly the moment that as a uh, nine-year-old I listened to my first yeah. uh, morning zoo. So <laughs> let me – I realized I should have asked a question b before that. What was a typical, let's say, top 40 or hit music station morning show like before that? I mean what was the innovation? That, what were they improvising or improving? What, if, if you turned into, tuned into right. that right. station in Tampa, what would you have heard? Well, I think I think uh, what characterized the zoo was it had a huge cast of people. There was okay. like uh, six, seven people in some cases. They had great chemistry between one another, and um, it, there was a certain amount of, of um, uh, looseness and spontaneousness. Uh, every t everybody had a had a uh, um, a particular role. They might be weather, sports, gossip, news, but um, the interchange between each of them, when there'd be a handoff from one to another, would be uh, you know lively and fun. And prior to that, there was kind of a um, you know sort of a, uh, a wall between news and entertainment. And um, you know you didn't want the news department to uh, have too much fun because it might uh, you know interfere with their credibility and that kind of thing. So I think that stuff went away. So they just decided everyone who's on the radio should be on the radio together and bantering. Yeah, and, and have fun. And uh, uh, the overall vibe was fun, you know, fast-paced, 
fun. And I, I, I always thought of the morning zoo as just a big party in the morning, and that was the, the kind of feeling, you know. So, Ed, do, do you remember ever having to learn the format, or was by the time you were doing radio, it was just kind of you knew that if you were on a, if you were part of a team of two or three or four, you figured out what your role was, and then you just bantered? Yeah, I, I kind of studied it a bit, and you know, one of the things to Dan's point. Everybody had their role, your news guy. One of the things that the zoo did, they changed it so each person's role also was their idiosyncrasy. Oh, we got this guy. He's a little nervous. Okay, so we're going to pick on that. He's a nervous guy. He's a nervous guy. This guy over here, he's not so bright. So now every time he makes a mistake, we're going to jump on that and we're going to point it out. And whenever he's recording a commercial or recording something off the air, if he makes a mistake, we're going to save that. And then we're going to play it back and we're going to beat on him. So what was your role? What was your idiosyncrasy in your role? You know, I was kind of the... I hate to say this. I was kind of like the thuggy, you know, kind of tough guy, uh, regular guy kind of guy who laughed a lot. Oh, okay. So I'd be the guy you'd drink a beer with and we'd laugh and uh, we'd probably get drunk and fall asleep. He was okay. the poor guy working with Glenn Beck. Is who he was. <laughs> so, Bruce, I want to just I want to go around the, the wheel here. So, Bruce, what, what was your role? And you. When did you first of all, Bruce? When did you start in radio? So I started in uh, commercial radio in 1980, right after I got out of college. I oh, went so you to started Hobart the, College, the pre-morning zoo era. You had 12 months or so before there was a zoo anywhere. I did. I started doing uh, sports radio and played music in college, and then when I got out and in in Buffalo, New York, my station was always 97 Rock. Growing up, and I took an internship there, and then I got a spot on the morning show eventually. And they were doing at that point. They were starting to do, I think they might have called it the Q Morning Zoo at that point. So that would have been kind of an early iteration. The zoo really boosted the the need for call letters like Q because you could rhyme it, right? Well, you know, and I don't know how much the zoo thing was like you were a zookeeper because the people were like animals, like frogs, I guess. Or or was it the, was it the zany factor? But... You know, just from my standpoint as somebody who got actually started, you know, doing morning radio on an FM station, um, in a way, my, you know, my goal was not to be too formulaic. In other words, in those, you know, in, in those years in the 80s, I was I found myself like now starting to say, OK, there's a lot of freedom now. You know, right. you're not you're not the guy of the morning going, hey, how hey. you doing? <laughs> it's going to be another sunny day here in New Haven. Um, you were you were talking about what you did last night. You know, you you said I was out at the New West Cafe having a beer. You know, and and people related to that. So there was this honesty that started coming through. And I think, Mark, the other thing that we should mention is what was happening at this exact moment when when you started hearing about the quote unquote zoo format, or having multiple people doing the morning show, and often it was you know it was somebody who's playing the records, and somebody who was reading news or whatever. This was the time, like 1978 was the year that there were more people listening to FM than AM. So that was a big change that happened, and that happened mainly because automakers started putting FM radios in the cars. And so up until that point, if you wanted to hear FM radio when you were driving in your car, you had to have a converter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) And so all of a sudden in the early 80s, you've got more people listening to FM and so you started having FM programmers start to say, well, we're not just going to have the guy who's kind of, you asked the question of Dan earlier, what was happening before. 
we're not going to have the music guy in the morning just playing album cuts. We're going to have news. We're going to have you know some entertainment. We're going to have some conversation. They're going to take phone calls. Maybe you would do pre-recorded bits, but that's what I was doing. So, Kim, what was it like when you broke into radio? And did you start in Springfield? I did. I actually went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting right. after college. Which I used to hear Gary, Gary Craig plug on TICFM. Oh, sure. I think he's an alumnus, if I'm not. It seems like everyone was Everybody. Or did you all, all four of you went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting, right? <laughs> no. Like, no. Was, I, I did not go to <laughs> Connecticut School of Broadcasting. I didn't either. I worked there for a little bit. But it really exists, right? It's a real place. It's a real it's a place. place. And you went there. I went there okay. in Farmington. It made and a gentleman named Dick Robinson a very wealthy man. Okay. Yes, <laughs> Very happy. Sure. Yes. So one of my instructors there worked at WMAS in Springfield. And 94-7. So, yes. That was, <laughs> Sorry, okay. Gonna, there you go. I'm going to totally geek out on the Springfieldness. Go and Mark the, Oppenheimer. Yeah. yeah. Now, see, and, the only experience, I have a degree in journalism, so I was hired for, to do the AM news and write the newscast and be the on-the-scene reporter and all that. And that was great. And I loved it. And I thought, well, I'm in. I don't know where I'm going to go from here, but I'm in. And then I ended up at WDRC with Jerry Christopher. And the role kind of changed a bit because I still had to be serious Kim doing the news on the AM where I was the news director. But I was also funny Kim doing whatever I was told with all the other voices and different things because we didn't have a lot of people, but we had a lot of voices, character voices. And so I would just... Did you have to do them? No. Okay. No, Jerry. Did, Jerry well, did Jerry, them? you know, Peggy Latella, the time telling pig. Everybody remembers all that. But I will I, tell you this. I actually don't remember <laughs> Peggy Latella. Well, I mean, okay, I, you probably <laughs> the time. I'd like to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have. Dr. Proctor. <laughs> <laughs> you might remember Dr. Proctor. Bruce dated her. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, that could have been the first Mrs. Barber. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. So it was funny because I had this serious side, but I didn't know what my character was supposed to be on the FM. I just followed his lead. And to this day, and I know he won't mind me telling this because it's so true, he would come in and do hours and hours of show prep and write things on index cards. And so he would come up with these jokes, and he would run over and he'd tape them to my window, what the punchline was. (laughs) And so it was my job to deliver the punchline in a funny way like it was just me saying it. You are kidding me. Yeah. That's pretty we used uptight. to arrive a full three minutes before yeah, the show started. Oh, that's... no, no. We were about an hour and a half. So we actually have a – We were ta- Dan was talking to us about Scott Shannon and Cleveland Wheeler, and we actually have an old clip of, of Shannon and Wheeler. Maybe we could hear that. A little bit after 10 o'clock at the Hot Rock and Z100, the bonus hour. We're going to 11 this morning with a Z Mata Zoo. Call your friend and tell him. <laughs> Good morning. Here's the news. Uh, stories making headlines this hour. The White House is on alert following a suicide bomb threat. The Secret Service has upped security and brought in seven drum trucks full of sand to surround the White House. In sports, the Lions mugged the Steelers. The Cowboys beat the Cardinals. The Giants are going to a one-back offense for the Raiders game on Sunday. And Marvis Frazier doesn't have much of a chance to beat Larry Holmes tonight, so say the experts. Z100 weather looks like this. Rain mixed. <laughs> Rain mixed with snow ending this afternoon. Windy and cold today, a high around 50 degrees. Clear and cold tonight, low around 35. And right now, it's 45 degrees at the all-new Z100. 10 after 10 o'clock, a $100 mystery only. Here's the clue one more time. <laughs> there you go. Let's go to the phones. Hello, Z100. Yes, I have the answer to the mystery oldie. You have the answer? Yep. What is your name? Lara Feligno. Laura? Lara. All right, what's the answer? Fish Heads by Barnes and Barnes. Fish Woo! Heads by Barnes and Barnes. You got $100. <laughs> Give me the phrase that pays. Z100 means music. <laughs> 
so that was actually not so much a, not so much a clip as a medley. Oh, yeah. Dan Hayden, does that does that sound dated to you? Is that the way that it's still done? Uh, that's the way it's still done in many cases. I think that uh, people are still, uh, you know, copying what they did at the zoo. The one thing is when 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 Scott went from uh, Tampa to New York, Cleveland Wheeler did not go with him. And Ross Britton, yeah. who was actually here in Hartford for many years after leaving the zoo, was his uh, was his partner on the original uh, uh, Z Morning Zoo. So we have a tweet from Jude who said, I totally had an FM converter in a 73 AMC Hornet mounted, <laughs> mounted in oh, my glove box. Um, I'm Mark Oppenheimer. I'm sitting in for Colin McEnroe today on the Colin McEnroe Show. We're talking about the, uh, the rise, and maybe, maybe there's been a fall. We'll get to that in a little bit, uh, of the, the radio format known as the Morning Zoo. We're, we'd love to take your calls, 860-275-7266, 860-275-7266. And we will be back with more uh, Zoodom in just a minute. We had it growing up, and I think it's hilarious because it really doesn't make sense, is the crazy morning zoo. They're saying they're as crazy as a zoo. Really? That's a failed premise. Because when you think about it, a zoo is like the most controlled environment in the world. Yes. What are you saying? We're as crazy as a train that goes two miles an hour. Yeah. It's like a zoo in here. It's like a zoo in here. We're as crazy as a bunch of sad animals sitting on a bunch of fake rocks. And dreaming about their natural habitat. So if you if you heard how badly I screwed up that moment we were going out, I screwed up the outro. That was actually intentional because it gave a sense of the chaotic morning feel, morning zoo feel that we're that we're talking about here. Um, I'm Mark Oppenheimer sitting in for Colin McEnroe on the Colin McEnroe show. Even when I'm sitting in, it's still it's like Joan Rivers on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. It's still the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Um, so pretty soon and, you'll get kicked out and never be allowed back. That's, again. <laughs> that's right. It'll end badly. It'll end for me on a red carpet somewhere. Uh, and we're talking about the radio format, the top forty, and, and class. Classic rock radio format, often known as the Morning Zoo, which I grew up with, which uh, which I wanted to uh, to hear something about the history about. Uh, our guests today are Bruce Barber, who's with us in New Haven. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Mark. And Dan Hayden, formerly of WHCN and now of Misty Radio. Hi, Mark. Ed Sabatino, still here from WPLR. Oh yeah. And Kim Zachary, who is now. Where are you now, Kim? I'm. You're back at Big D. No, no, I left there uh, when everything changed at the end of August. So you're taking some personal time. Sure. You're taking some self-time. Are you, yes. Is there a non-disclosure? So Are you not time. allowed to talk about what uh, you're doing right now? I'm That's not... a, you know, they should tell you that in radio. When something changes, we'd like you to go home and have a little me time. They like call for it as me... long as you right. want. Right. I've been having about six months of me time right six now. Six months of so. me time. Okay. Okay. Got it. Uh, so we're taking your calls, uh, 860-275-7266. Ed, you worked with the originator of the Morning Zoo format, right? Yeah. Scott Shannon and I worked together when I was at KC101. He was our consultant. And so I spent a lot of time with him there. And then I went to Pennsylvania to run a cluster of stations, and he was my format manager there. So I dealt with Scott a lot. And Scott will tell you all the time, I took that station from worst to first. That's what I did. <laughs> worst to You're going to question me? Worst to first. Did you do that? And that's, you know, the joke always was because – his voice was so iconic. Everyone in the station, you know, you'd answer the phone and be like, hello, Eddie? And, you know, oh, yeah, 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 okay, whoever it is. But then all of a sudden Scott would call and you'd hang up on him because you thought it was somebody imitating, Scott. imitating <laughs> Scott. And then the phone would ring again. It was really Scott. What are you doing to me? So, uh, yeah, I worked with him for a long time and uh, had a lot of fun with him. And, and, you know, he's in New York now. He was at uh, PLJ doing... Almost a morning zoo type show, 
with uh, this guy Todd Pettengill, and they had a whole cast. And then um, as consolidation kicked in and stations bought other stations, they kind of tossed Scott out, which was a huge mistake because he went across the street and laid an old ca- old-fashioned butt kicking <laughs> on them. He's he's at CBS in New York, and he's killing, doing doing great numbers, very very well. Uh, we have a call from someone some some of you will have heard of if you don't listen exclusively to public radio. It's set, or it could be someone imitating Damon <laughs> Damon Scott from Harvard. Oh, no. Damon, you there? I'm here, you guys. What a what a stellar panel you've got today. So we know that you listen to NPR <laughs> midday. <laughs> Good for you. You've been outed. Actually, uh, Colin has some pictures of me, so I'm forced to listen every afternoon per contract. I see. <laughs> Everybody has pictures of you. So, well, yeah, but these are really good ones. This is a Christmas party. I don't even want to get into it. There was liquor involved, farm animals. It, it was a bad time. Damon, you're a TIC, right? Yes. Yes. And so we, we, we should have called you because we asked Gary Craig to be on and he said no. So could you talk to him about that for us? You know, Gary and I, we uh, we have an unusual relationship. We're kind of the cobra and mongoose of the station. So okay. didn't, that didn't come up in our, our daily meeting. Maybe you're the one who's willing to come on the show. Uh, that's the difference in your relationship. wonder if he would have if he would have come on the show if it was Colin. Oh, he heard it was a guest host. Did he? Damon, oh, I'm afraid I may lose you guys. I'm in one of those uh, delightful dead zones around Middletown. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to be zoo-like and just cut you off then. But it was great. <laughs> it was great to hear from you. And oh, instead of cutting you off, I locked you in because that's what an amateur yeah, I just am. Just be careful of those dead zones <laughs> around Middletown. We're talking about the morning zoo. Uh, we're talking about it with four veterans of it. We have Chris from New. Ha- oh no, Chris isn't quite there with us yet. So we'll be back with him in a second. I have a question for all four of you, which is: um, To what extent is the success of a format like the morning zoo? dependent on having local hosts who know the locality. In other words, when, when I turn when I tune in, oh, say, KC 101 now, and I'm hearing, what's his face from New York City? Elvis. Elvis, right. Elvis Durant, which couldn't be his real name, right? Because you all get fake names. No, it's not. It's no, not. No, no. <laughs> so, no. In fact, you guys no. may have real names. Bruce Barber is actually your, that's your real name, right, Bruce? That is my real that's name. That's really right. Yeah, you but can't make that name up. You cannot make that name up. Elvis's real name is Johnny Cash. <laughs> but <laughs> if I were to get into that kind of radio, I couldn't be Oppenheimer. Maybe today I could, Maybe but 20 or 30 yeah. years ago, they would have made me change it to Gary yeah. Craig. No, I think, and, Mark, I think you make a good point, and that is that, you know, and I think sometimes um, all shows f- can end up falling under the umbrella of the quote-unquote zoo. And, you know, now now listening to, you know, this conversation, I think when when I was p- part of the Smith & Barber show, w- you know, there was a time where you would have put us under that umbrella, but, w- you know, we would actively try not to be like those shows often. We would, you know, we would not prepare at all. That was all just very spontaneous and very improvisational. And then the other thing, so, Mark, what you had mentioned is just the local component which which I think is really, it's the wonderful side of it. Because, you know, yeah, there was the stuff where you, you know, you pushed the boundaries and you tried to really, you know, uh, shock maybe. But there were also the times when bad things happened, you know, you can't get a sense of, it's it's a wonderful way to build a sense of community. And radio is a local medium. So, you know, I remember the big thing for me was being on the air um, on the morning of 9-11, and um, and you know to, to give you an example of kind of the way things can shift when you're when you're doing that show, we were of course in our um, you know the way we always would we would take a subject that was a very serious subject and give it a 
a good serious treatment. And before the before the events occurred earlier in the show, we were talking about the fact that the vagina monologues were coming to New Haven. So you can imagine where that went right. on, on a morning some radio really, show. Really, really erudite, mature Ex- discussion. That's exactly of right. An important and, work of theater. And that obviously changed, you know, immediately that morning. And um and you know, I was actually live when the second plane hit and describing it on the air. And I remember getting an email from someone who said, you know, that's what I'm always going to remember about that day. But then as time went by and my partner Brian Smith was on vacation that day, but he came back immediately and we were able to just be there with the community, you know, to try to heal from this as a group. And, and, you know, I, you know, I guess on a national level like that, you would get that with a, with a syndicated show, but for the most part, you know, it's this ability just as a local community to get together and, and share an experience like that that's very special. Dan, as a, as a consultant, do you, are you ever posed the question or do you ever have to take into account whether a station is going to keep a local person or whether they're going to take a national feed? Well, it's always a budget um, concern for, for ownership. But I think the key is that uh, if the uh, local is great if you've got a talented morning show and if the morning show is really strong um, – Local doesn't win just because it's local. So in that case, a uh, uh, a better quality national show would do well. So the key is if you can get a great local morning show, that's a terrific combination to have. But if the morning show just isn't very good, uh, you're going to lose there, to a national show. But there are exceptions to that, right, where even a, lo- a good local show uh, can get – uh, displaced by a, a national show. I mean, the, what I'm remembering, I had a lot of family in Philadelphia where John DiBello was a, just just absolutely dominant. And then the rival station put on Howard Stern sometime in the 90s and Stern obliterated him. I mean, just destroyed mm-hmm. him. And, that, and now he's, I think DiBello's still on the radio, but that was a yeah. really, really talented right. guy. And I wonder, are some of these national guys, I mean, Rick Dees was carried a lot of places for a while and Howard Stern, did some of them upset the careers of some really gifted local people? Yeah, and I, I think there's a there's a handful of uh, really great syndicated uh, – there's a lot of syndicated shows out there that are just so-so. They just aren't that great. Yeah. Stern is an exception. He kind of supersedes yeah. anything else. Like whatever market he went in, he, won. he destroyed yeah. everybody. Well, and, and, it, it, and if he targeted you, it was even worse. That's Ooh. right, Eddie, and, and it, that's exactly it. He made, a, he made Philadelphia – his target, and he wasn't. I don't think he had that many stations at that point when he went in and and went after Debella. And the other thing is that that Philly's a much different market than say in New Haven. New Haven, you know, you're uh, what you know. What's the market size? It's you know, one twenty three or yeah, one twenty three. So and, that's out of about two hundred nationally, right? They right, rank, and the, Philly's number the, five or something. Right, I, you yeah, know. In, that, in that ballpark. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kim, that's not something you've had to face, right? I mean, well, I had I had a great morning show for 17 years with my husband. And, you know, Bruce, you're talking about 9-11 and something else that the people really love about it being local was that when we lost uh, power during those snowstorms over Halloween. Yes. Now, I'm, I'm from Summers and we were without power for 10 days. And how many people still come up to me and say, you know, as bad as I thought I had it, I felt <laughs> so bad for you guys because you still were in the dark and you were suffering with all the rest of us. And that meant something. And we were very, very active in the community. We have all kinds of cancer fundraisers, different things that we were always doing. What it all came down to in the end was the station was then purchased by uh, investors who didn't really invest in radio because they loved radio. They just wanted to know the easiest way to make money. So when we 
when our contracts were up, they decided at that point, because we'd been there so long, we were making too much money for the market. Mm -hmm. And let's just blow it out. And they were going to go syndicated, but then word got out they were going to do that prior to us leaving. So then they had to change the plans. And I know the people- They just found cheaper people. Yes. The yeah. people there are doing the, the job of six people. And that's how a lot There's of the always a less doing. expensive There's always a less radio. expensive option. Sure. Let's so, get one person to do the job of four. Uh, we have a call from Chris in New Haven. Chris, you still there? Yes. Yeah. What was your, what's your question, sir? Um, uh, I guess um, not so much a- um, Not a question, question but a comment? Question, but, but some comments, I guess. Um, um, I've been um, a Connecticut resident my whole entire life. I'm 50 years old. And um, my er earliest recollection to um, this um, zoo um, or shock radio, whatever you want to call it, goes back to like 1976, 77 on AM radio on WCCO, um, a Dr. Chris Evans. Yes. I don't know if you recall him at all. Of course, yeah. But, but I, he used to do the everybody get out of here. There's a lobster loose. Oh God, he's loose. <laughs> that's actually Bill. That's a Bill Murray recording. But Dr. <laughs> Chris did. You know the sign that says Fog Area. He said, "Well, that's a town called Fogaria." <laughs> and and he had a he had a character Jose. It was him doing the voice, and he was actually. When I started at PLR, which was 1985, with Brian Smith, uh, Dr. Chris was on KC 101, I believe. Yes. Chris, I want to stop you there because I think you brought up a great, a great point. So I'm going to just throw it over to, to, to these people. We have our, our guest, which is, is the morning, what's the relationship between the term morning zoo and shock radio or shock jock radio? Are they the same thing? No. And if not, no. somebody tell me how they're different. I, I, for me, morning zoo is more of a party, and you're just kind of throwing around the room. It's a party, and, and the whole town's invited. Everybody's right? <laughs> invited, and you know you're just kind of almost rambling without having to go anywhere specific. And with shock radio, uh, there's a setup. The audience has an expectation of where it's going to go, and then you finish it with a punch to the face. Right, you can have two people doing that. Or, or let yeah. me add this to the to the mix. I, you know, and actually, so now thinking about it, this is interesting. You know, I think when you you take the again, if we go into like zoological terms, or <laughs> phylums. This is our zoology but, show. <laughs> but it's almost like if you take morning radio as the you know as the big uh, you know group, and then under you know un, underneath that you have maybe ways to ident identify different kinds of shows, and maybe one kind of morning show is more like a morning zoo. And then maybe there just aren't names for like I wouldn't classify like what Howard Stern does as a quote unquote morning zoo, even though he meets the criteria. Right. And, he, and I was thinking what to what Ed was saying about how the characters have their eccentricities exaggerated. I mean, Stern is very much that, that's right. There was there was the guy who stuttered and there was the guy who was very gay and there was the right. I mean, he yeah. sort of, he made you a caricature of whatever your most right. identifiable. But if you was. listen to him now, that's all changed. He's grown up. He's become an adult. And you listen to the show, and it it reflects who he, doesn't he have, is. He doesn't now. have the lesbian room anymore. Well, it was. I think what Eddie's talking about is the is it's the it's the idea of I think sometimes you know, and even hearing like the way Jerry Christopher used to like to work, he'd write stuff out. These were planned jokes. So for some people, that was the way they liked to work. I think what Howard did was, and he was really one of the the early great practitioners of something that was basically. 
it, it came down to living your life on the air and being very honest and and people picking up on that. And you see what's happened now with, um, you know, reality television. But it's funny, uh, Dan Hayden, when Dan and I worked together, when Dan was a consultant at PLR, and we ended up going to, Dan, you remember we went to the uh, convention of the morning show guys? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, That's I, a Saturday I, Live skit, right? Oh, like you'd get the on the elevator, guy. and you'd walk into the elevator, you'd be kind of like, oh, man, I'm really tired. Yeah, it's going to go on. You get on, you say, oh, hi, hi, I'm, I'm Bruce. I'm from Connecticut. How you doing? I'm Fred, and that's the bean. <laughs> yeah. oh my right. God. We're talking about the evolution of the morning zoo radio format that you hear so much on Top 40 Radio. Uh, I'm Mark Oppenheimer, and, and Bruce Barber, this is your life, because we're now going to play a clip. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Wolfie, go ahead. Billy is on the road. He's down in Milford this morning. Hello, Billy. Hi, I'm down in Milford, Woodmont Road, Uncle Tony's Pizza, Donut Express. I've got the voodoo lady with me. Come She's on not in. the voodoo lady. Her name is Jana. Right. Jana, the voodoo lady. She's a tarot card reader. Yeah, she'll read your cards absolutely free. All you have to do is walk in and say, hi, I'm a PLR listener. And she could tell you what's going on in the future. So you come on in, and a voodoo lady will tell you, like, maybe you should go home and go to bed. Maybe you should go out and start drinking and gambling because maybe your life's over next month. Billy, put John on, please. Hello. John, do you have a, a tarot card, though? Maybe you could just shove in Billy's mouth. You know, I brought an extra just in case. We apologize for the fact that he's referring to you as the voodoo lady. Oh, look, Billy, I just pulled up the gag card. <laughs> uh, stick this between your teeth and leave it there, idiot. Well, let me read Billy's card. Oh, my God, the sphincter. The cards <laughs> say that you two boys are going on a long trip. I'm sure we are. Yeah, the new owners uh, apparently uh, are going to see to that. So, Bruce, Bruce Barber, that, there's some of you in that, right? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I was the one who was saying he shouldn't be calling that woman the voodoo lady. Right. So before we take a break, I want to get – I have one final question for Bruce, and then we'll take a break, and then and then we'll come back. And the question is – so if I'm not mistaken, your role with, with Smith on PLR for so many years was – you were the straight man, right? No, we really didn't have you roles. Didn't. Okay, there were you no, didn't. There were no decided upon roles at any point in that well, tell me about the tell me about the dynamic <laughs> that, that crazy lovers you know what that it was, crazy pod it, de deux. Well, you what? know what it was. A pod, a pod, I love you, Mark Oppenheimer. I love, I love you. You just far. don't hear that kind of talk. Uh, certainly, <laughs> the kind not, of radio I now used that you're to on do. NPR, Bruce. Uh, pod de deux. You better class it up. <laughs> I'm getting a dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie, it's funny. I mean, this is old home week because Eddie was our program director for a while in one of his incarnations, and so he. He saw a lot of this, and and it really was it was I actually sometimes refer to it as Lord of the Flies. It was just every man for himself. But um, what it was was it it was just this basic thing where, hey, try to figure this out and get as good ratings as possible, and so then we would we we just both kind of filled in wherever. And um, but there was never any like I'm going to be the straight man and you're going to be the funny one or it was just very much this back and forth thing. And, you know, Brian had this great radio voice, I thought. And um, what did you have? uh, (laughs) I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, the thing was, it was just we were very different. We were two very different people, but we looked at things exactly in the same way. We thought the same things were funny. And um, and somehow, I guess that dynamic was just, you know, people 
were interested in in following it. But you know, not a lot of that was planned, really. We have a tweet from Peter who says, "I'm," and we'll, this is aimed directly at some of you. I miss the old format of DRC. Where else could you hear the chestnuts of Afternoon Delight and Delta Dawn? My feelings exactly, Peter. Uh, I'm Mark Oppenheimer, sitting in for Colin McEnroe on the Colin McEnroe Show. We're taking your calls about the Morning Zoo radio format. We'll be right back. Today's show was produced by Betsy Kaplan and me, Kyone Wolf. Our intern is Anna Novak. Greg Hill tweets for us at WNPR Colin, and the part of Bill Curry was played by Gary Craig. For show pages, articles, and audio of the morning schmooze with the Faith Middleton Show staff, visit our website, WNPR.org. On tomorrow's show, the complex language and psychology of smiling. And now, back to Mark. I'm Mark Oppenheimer. I'm sitting in for Colin McEnroe uh, on the Colin McEnroe Show, and we're talking about the Morning Zoo, that that radio format uh, with so many crazy characters and lots of contests. Uh, and I lots rem- of sound effects. Lots of sound effects. <laughs> I remember going down to whatever the radio or the the record store was at Bay State West in Springfield when there was last a record store there to meet Steve Reynolds and Kevin Silva yes. of WMAS, and I couldn't believe there they were live and in person. I was like, they were such celebrities in my mind. And, you know, the problem is, of course, I late at night Google their names and, you know, there's just a lot of Steve Reynoldses out there. You just don't know. You just don't know uh, which one which one is which. We love to take your calls about the history of the Morning Zoo format or about FM radio generally. We're at 860-275-7266. That's 860-275-7266. And because this has been a tweet-heavy show, I do want to say again that you can tweet us at WNPR. Colin. Ed, were you going to say something? Well, yeah, you want us to believe that that's what you Google late at night. That is exactly <laughs> yeah, Yeah, good one, Wink Wink. Well, that's what I need Google for. The other the other URLs are just, you know, singed into my, into my memory. But, but, you know, you talked about meeting the personalities and seeing the personalities. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing we've left out of this that you, you have to remember as we, you know, did shows and you picked on people for whatever their idiosyncrasies were, if they were a nervous Nelly or they were this, they were that – a lot of radio personalities, and myself included, especially when I was younger, uh, a lot of radio personalities are like a three-year-old running around with a propane torch in one hand and dynamite in the other. And sooner or later, <laughs> they're going to meet. And when they do, there's going to be an explosion. So how do you manage? So you've been a station manager, right? How yes. do you How do you manage these egos? How do you keep this? Do you have to, I mean, you fire people sometimes, I you guess. You fire people sometimes. <laughs> you, um, you have to be very, very careful. You, you have to know how to talk to them. You have to figure out where they came from because usually wherever they started – um, in their life is where they are now. Like if somebody seems to have a wall up all the time, it generally may be that they came from really um, meager beginnings. And you want to make it's sure... It's almost like you were the house psychologist. Oh, you are. My, my office, they used to call it the confessional <laughs> because you, you really had to pay close attention. So you knew, okay, this guy's afraid that he's going to lose everything. So you have to assure him all the time that, hey, man, it's cool. Everything is okay. <laughs> and you're not going to go back to being that kid who didn't have anything. Or, you know, five years ago when you were driving that, you know, 
beat-up car with a hole in the floor. You're going to be all right. The, you know, the Range Rover's going to be there. So you were the most mature guy at the station. Is that right, Bruce? Was, was Eddie the most mature guy at the station? Eddie was great. I mean, Eddie's just a great guy, and he's, uh, he was a terrific program director. Let's talk a little, little bit about the architecture of these shows, the different pieces. I mean, somebody had to, if you're going to do crank phone calls, somebody has to know how to do crank phone calls. If you're going to do voices, I guess you need someone who does voices, or do you buy the voices from some voice service? I mean, how, how, does, how do all those pieces fit together? Yeah, I mean, for us, it was just, you know, I did some voices, and I experimented with some, you know, I did some pre-produced stuff in, I would say, in the mid-'80s. I had a, um, you know, I had a few characters I would do, um, but then most of it was, I mean, you know, when I look back now, I'm like, how did we fill that much time? It was, you know, when you think about, you know, creating four hours a day of live radio for, you know, f- 48 weeks a year, uh, five days a week, that's just a lot of content. So I would say the bulk of it ended up just having to be very improvisational, what's in the paper this morning, and then a lot of it was, and we haven't talked about this much, but the interaction with the audience over the phone, you know, and you still, you know, obviously this show is a call-in show and you, you get that interaction. So to speak, we, a call-in show. Yeah, <laughs> this is Colin's call-in yeah. show. Uh, but you, we loved that interaction, and it and it filled a lot of time. Dan, am I am I wrong that they ha- that some people were paid to be laughers, like were the Ed McMahon's? And- oh yeah, I, I remember seeing uh, uh, advertisements in the trade papers looking for laughers who would uh, who would who would come in and laugh. You've got to remember that uh, there were so many shows that were uh, derivative of the uh, the Z Morning Zoo, which is the gold standard of zoos. So that was the, that was when Scott Shannon moved to New York City, and it yeah, became the, the WHTZ. The uh, that's the gold standard of um, morning zoos, but everywhere around the country. So if you're in the middle of nowhere and, uh, you know, you've got so-so talent, uh, but, you're, but you're trying to do this thing. That was thing. like a copper zoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, there's a big need for laughers. Right. So uh, we're going to... What did they pay a laugher? <laughs> or did they in the Wait, So was the laugher an in-studio guy? Like that was a full-time guy? Well, I don't know if you're a full-time guy, but uh, it wasn't a full-time job. But, <laughs> Dan, I don't but, know if you were in this meeting. One time I do remember one of the many consultants that they tried to, that they brought in to try to figure out Smith & Barber. But I uh, was the best one, bro. You were the best yeah, by thank far. You. Thank you. But um, one of us, somebody was talking about the fact that they had worked with a guy who came in one time to a radio station, sat down in the conference room and said, all right, what do you need? I can do anything. I could be, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, could be your was, laugher. Yeah. I could be your smart guy. Yeah. Uh, we're on this. Uh, Colin, Colin show. We're going to talk to uh, to Rich from Naugatuck. Hi, Rich. Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing well. What is your question, sir? Uh, real quick. I, I, uh, first of all, uh, Bruce, I've been a long fan of yours since your days at PLR when I followed you and Brian. So you uh, followed Bruce to, to public radio? That's, yeah, that's, actually, I, and that's is that the most bizarre road ever taken <laughs> in this business, by the way? Let's just, talk, let's just, let's just get that out there. Rich... Well, the question is, is like, I remember hearing a story, like, Mike Lavatino at one point, uh, I heard it that he used to try to mess up the uh, the uh, the traffic reporter whenever they would go on the air. He would go off. Totally. Did you try, did you try doing stuff like that or what? Totally. <laughs> okay. It was that level of uh, intellectual. Um... <laughs> well, there, there was a button on the board where you could hit it and no one could hear you except the traffic reporter. <laughs> so 
he would just repeat the dirtiest phrases over and over and over again while she was doing the trial. It was fantastic. Those were great days. Probably not something you'd get away with today. And I got to tell you, this is no. now reminding me also, though, but that's that's great that that you know that and that, you know, that that was, you know, and I'm sure we, we would have discussed it if we knew about it. But what was great was kind of this family that did, you know, kind of grow out of both. Eddie, you know this, and just being around just the people you worked with, there were oftentimes it was tough and there were some... There were some personality conflicts, but it was a great group, and you know we really did you know have a lot of fun together. And then the same thing with the audience; it was just this, you know, this kind of wonderful community formed around this. Well, I've always said it's a, you know, those days. That's a special fraternity that will never exist again. Yeah, uh, we have a call that's so good that that Kion Wolf says you got to take this guy. <laughs> so that's the pressure's on. No, no fret, Brett from Newington. You still there? <laughs> Brett, you got to bring it now. That, that was, Our that, producer that was said really we good. have to take right, you. Hey, I'm preparing you here with some laughs so that I could get on the show. <laughs> All right. You got 15 be, seconds, Brett. <laughs> and be someone who could create future laughs. Like you, like you were talking about the car guys. Well, you weren't talking about the car guys, but I, I have, have a joke about car. <laughs> no, it, they expanded with much more than just car talk. They started being relationship advice counselors and stuff like that. I have that tangential grasp anything and make it into something else and play around with it and then get back to more important things or what the original topic was. I don't really know what the original topic was, but I want to prepay with some laughs so that I can get some laughs and then maybe become valuable as. Okay. Thanks. Um, yeah, and, well, we and, do have – there is an opening, <laughs> and I think, Brett, you're perfect. As a matter yes. of fact, you are hired. Brett, Bruce Barber has hired you to yes. – to, uh, what, for this station? <laughs> so, I'm not sure laughter? which station yet. Could but... we talk a minute about the we, – we have very little time left, but could we talk a minute about something I'm really curious about? It seems to me like the format has changed everywhere I go, so I travel a good bit. And you know, if I'm in Phoenix, if I'm in Detroit, if I'm in Houston, now when I'm on, they talk a lot about what was on TV last night. So there's a lot – there seems to be less about their own relationships, and there are fewer callers because a lot of these guys are syndicated, so they can't be so local. But so they'll talk about like American Idol or The Voice. Am I right that that's a thing now? Yeah, I, I think it's been that way for a long time. I think one of the uh, things that made the Smith and Barber show so uh, so different was it was really whatever was going on that day through their eyes. So if you were a listener, you'd say, "I've got to listen to Smith and Barber to see what they think of this." So there was a, a realness, a realness to it. And uh, it's through that lens that uh, that bond with the show and the listeners were formed. I think this other stuff, the uh, you know, the People magazine, the tabloid stuff, is just it. Well, how much of that is driven by the consolidation that so many radio? I mean, Kim, you were talking about this earlier. That stations were getting bought up left and right. Mm -hmm. Did that change how people were going to do radio? Oh, for us, absolutely. I mean, we started out and we had eight people. The traffic guy was his own character and the promotions girl and the producer who was a sucky producer, but we used him as the stunt boy for everything. We had the weather guy, Alan Jackson, who was the voice of the Weather Channel for many, many years before Jim Cantori. And he'd come on and do his little bits and sing and dance. And by the time we left... Um, my husband and I, Dan, and I were the only two left on the show, and we paid our producer's salary out of our own pockets because the station refused. 
So they it was all about. But you were doing yeah, everything. I think it, I think, but I, everything. No, but I do think it became a lot more of a business after the yes. after the consolidation, which started with the Communications Act of uh, 1996. Yes, right? exactly, yeah. exactly. And it did. It just it became a lot more of a business. If I'm not mistaken, right, that allowed companies to own more st- or multiple stations mm-hmm. in one market. Is exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You could own. What was it like? Up, Dan? Is it 50 percent of the advertising? You can't take more than 50 percent of the advertising out of the market. Oh, in determining how many, what the limit for the market would be, something yes, like that. Yes, for stations, the ownership. The, the, yeah. the, there's an interesting thing. There's, there's, I guess, roughly 15,000 uh, licenses in the U.S. In 1995, prior to the uh, uh, Telecommunications Act, no company could own more than 40 stations. In 2012, Clear Channel had 1,200 stations. Yeah. So it became, you know, multi-level corporate with the uh, regional heads and the uh, format captains. That's and right. And then what I found, what I found is talent was that it went from okay, just open the mics up and talk, you know, and, and we kind of, or maybe we took that airtime and argued with Ed about how much we should be talking. <laughs> but but towards the end, you know, when there were more, when there was a lot more money involved, and there were there were more consultants, and there was, you know. Eyes on the show. It was like, all right, you've got five minutes here, and and you, you can't just go find where you're going with this. You've got to get there more quickly, and um, and I'm not we, saying. We have, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but you can take take it up with me in the neighborhood since we're neighbor, <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll fight it out the OK Corral we, for ten seconds each. Who are your heroes in this? Who's the best the best at this kind of format? Uh, does anyone want to jump in with that? Well, I would I would say that uh, Scott Shannon and uh, you know that's the gold standard that the right. uh, original Z100 from 1983 that is the best. That's for me. It's Howard all the way. Howard Howard's Stern. The, yeah. Okay. Okay. Ed. Uh, Howard. I got to go with Howard. Not Ed. Not Ed. <laughs> no, I would never go with Ed. Yeah. Are you no, kidding? I would go with Howard just because of the way he's morphed with the times. I really like that. Gratitude to Colin McEnroe for letting me <laughs> sit in his chair today and to all of our guests for talking with me about the Morning Zoo format. Colin will be back tomorrow. Thanks so much. Turn your radio up. You're tuned to 90.5. The best. Public radio. In Connecticut. You know what we've got? We've got interns. Politicians. Tote bags. Producers. Reporters. Security guards. Bugs. Authors. Receptionists. Show hosts. Musicians. Two vending machines. The science of skinny. News. Weather. Not any traffic at all. Are you a member? Do you remember if you still have your membership up to date? Or put your headphones on and never take them off. You're listening to WWWNPR, where we have the smartest guest, hardest working producing team. And is that a bear? Well, that sounds like a truck backing up. Okay, that's a typewriter. We don't use typewriters here, but uh, uh, rattlesnake? Why? Wait, who's throwing plates? This is not a safe work environment. Okay, stop. This is public radio. We're supposed to sound like the public. Like people. Normal people. Going about their day just trying to make sense of things, you know? They don't need people yelling at them and making crude noises. There's almost nothing funny about that. Could somebody take this filter off my voice, please? It just seems like our listeners... Thank you. It seems like our listeners are more the type of people who are into... You are listening to WNPR, Connecticut's public media source for news and ideas. So much better.